you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Good to see you this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side. Anybody say amen to that? We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus. The life of Jesus Christ might be made manifest in our body. James chapter 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally, and unbraideth not, and it shall be given him. By the help of the Lord this morning, I, I hope to preach or teach or talk or whatever it may be. I preached my heart out a few weeks ago on a Sunday night, and there was a guest with us. And after service, the guest came up and said, good talk. So I'm okay with it, whatever it is. So... By the help of the Lord to, today, I'm going to speak to you on a man built, a man that adversity built, a man that adversity built. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you've put in our heart and my spirit. I pray, God, that I can deliver the word of the Lord today as you have delivered it to my spirit. And I pray, God, that you can get through this flesh of mine, God, and that your spirit would just work through me, and that I could just be a conduit this morning. I step aside, move aside, that, Lord, I decrease this morning, that you can increase. Help me this morning, God, to deliver your word in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. The man that adversity built. As I read through the scripture, I recognize that the Apostle Paul talks so much about the battles of the flesh, the battles of the spirit. He deals a lot with adversity, trial, temptations, troubles, difficulties. And through all of it, he is talking about what it is working, that it worketh things in us, or it is working things into us. So the problems of life 
working, the adversity in life is building. It's building character in us. It is building uh, stability in us. Uh, people who haven't been through much a lot of times don't don't really have much to offer. It's people who have been through it. When you've been through it, you've got something to say. When you've been through it, you have a testimony. You have to pass the test in order to have the testimony. And so you have to go through a few things. And uh, adversity, uh, while adversity will destroy a few men, uh, most men are, are made by their Adversity. All great men are made by their adversity. Adversity comes in many packages. Adversity comes, uh, it, it, it comes from unexpected situations that happens in life. Adversity comes sometimes from other people. Uh, adversity, uh, what, what adversity, uh, that, that, what in our life that doesn't bring some form of adversity is probably not doing us much good. It's just a vacation day. And then you have to go back to real life. Adversity's working things in you. Uh, it's not intended to ever to destroy you. Adversity is meant to build you. It's meant to make you. It's meant to develop you. Uh, what I've learned about adversity is what you're really made of. What you're really made of comes out during times of adversity. It reveals what you already have put in you. That's why when you're not going through it, you still need to be developing and growing and putting in your spirit because when, when you're going through adverse times, uh, the, what, what begins to come out of you, what the words you begin to speak, the attitude, uh, when, when, when things don't go your way and the attitude that protrudes out of you speaks of what is in you. That's why you got to have enough in you that when adversity comes, you can swallow, take a deep breath, uh, and walk away. And people say, I don't know how you did that, that. Well, it's because you put some things in you when things were going well. And you prepared for the moment when things weren't going to go so well. And uh, so, um, now, now, most of you know this about me. I'm not much of a shopper. I usually uh, get sick the morning that uh, I'm supposed to go shopping. I, I don't do much shopping, not much of a shopper. I usually shop one time a year, uh, and that is uh, sometimes twice a year. Uh, but I shop every year, usually one time a year, and that's when I Christmas shop for my wife. And then I have to have a lot of assistance alongside me that is pointing me in the right direction and navigating. The thing I like the most about shopping day is lunch and dinner. I enjoy that part of the shopping day. I'm not much of a shopper. Now, some of you ladies are great shoppers. You, 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 my wife now, this online shopping thing is just, uh, we drive down the road. We used to have conversations. She shops. Uh, she's on her iPad, and she's scrolling. Oh, babe, look at this. Do you like this? This is gorgeous. Look at this. And I'm driving down the road. Uh -huh. I'm driving, and then I'm in traffic. I'm in road construction. I can't look right now. Babe, you're not looking. No, I'm not looking. I'm going to crash if I look. And so, uh, I, I, and, But some of you ladies are great shoppers, and you come in, and you're, you have great sense of style, and your home looks great. You got, you know, things are always great. Uh, but I, I wonder... Sometimes I know, I know occasionally I shop for me. When I'm shopping for me, it's very rare occasion. 
but when I shop for myself, I've got to have the money in hand, ready to pay cash for what I'm going for. I have already decided what it is I'm looking for. I already kind of have it in mind. I know the stores I'm going to. And the, the, the whole idea is to see how quickly I can get this done, the suits purchased, and get back home. And that's, that's neat. But I have learned a little bit about shopping, but just watching my wife and, and others shop. Uh, so when, when you're shopping, do you ever look at the tags? I mean, besides the price. Do you ever look at the tag? Of course, you know, brand made, the brand name is so important to, to so many. I want to know what brand it is. I, I want to know the quality and the craftsmanship. And what I have learned is that there's, you can learn so much about the value of something by researching where it is made. There are certain brands that I've learned that just because it is a brand, they're, they're, they're like two lines of the same brand. There's the brand that is quality made, and then there's the cheap brand that's made you know, in Thailand or somewhere. And so they, the, the whole idea is knowing the difference in what you are getting. My, my, my dad used to, he used to buy a lot of cars. We went through cars. I mean, he just changed cars all the time. He was all the time buying and selling a car. He would buy a new car and sell cars and then eventually decided he was going to uh, open a car lot. He enjoyed it so much. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And uh, I learned a few things about cars. Even some vehicles are made just because they're a certain brand. doesn't mean they're all made in the United States. You can get a, a brand that typically you would think is a U.S.-made car, but you find out it was actually made uh, somewhere else in some lower quality uh, of construction methods that, that are used. But I've learned so much uh, from researching where something is made. And through time, I've learned some things. Um, it's from some of you I've learned some things. I've learned that, that the best watches are made in Switzerland. If you want good watches, you want to know, was it, was it made in Switzerland or was it made at Walmart? And so uh, I know a little bit about firearms. And uh, there's a kind of a staple brand of firearms called Browning. And Browning firearms have been around for many, many years. But there are, there are different qualities. of Just because it's a Browning uh, firearm does not mean that it is a quality firearm. But the most valuable of the Browning products are those that was made in Belgium. The Belgium Browning is the better quality. And so you have to learn about where it was made because where it was made uh, changes the whole dynamic of how... It was built. The craftsmanship, the quality of the items that, that go in. Uh, you know, when you're looking for suits, you're looking for fabrics that are made in Italy. Or uh, if you're looking for quality automobiles, I'm sorry for those of you that uh, work at Chrysler and, and, and GM uh, that are here this morning. But uh, it, it, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings this morning, but they do still say that the highest quality is still coming out of Germany and even Japan. And so uh, when you're looking for tools, of course, you know where you want to buy your tools from. You, want, you don't want to buy Chinese-made tools. They're cheap, but you want to know that they're made in America. American-made tools, has the, they have the quality and craftsmanship that go into uh, 
in, into making them, how they are made. It is the, the reason they say that American tools are better is because they are made from American steel. And so uh, the process goes on that it is a harder and higher grade of steel because it has endured more processing. The reason that it's more expensive is because there are more steps involved in the process. You can learn a lot about a man when you discover how he was made. How did he get to where he is? What was it that developed him? What was it that that put him in the position and in the place that he is. The lowest form of leadership is appointed leadership. It is the lowest level of leadership, but leadership that comes through the the development and the process of time and pressure makes uh, makes the person much more valuable in his leadership ability. What What's the process that, that, uh, of the making of the person? Uh, I know perhaps some of you have seen the bumper sticker that says, you know, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. It's easy to smile at that and, and, and smirk at it than it is to practice it. But actually, the process, uh, the, the, the philosophy uh, is, is pretty sound. In fact, um, This principle is taught in the Bible. There are numerous people who turn defeat into victory and turn trials into triumph. Instead of becoming victims, they become victors. Sometimes it's the it's the what you are going through and you can easily get angry about it, get frustrated at it, show bad attitudes about it. But the truth is, is who you are is being, is being revealed in the making and in the process. It doesn't mean because you have a bad day and things don't go good that it's over for you. It means there's some things in you that you need to work on. You've got to have some more processing. You may be able to be a great leader, but it requires processing to get there. The faster you learn, the quicker you can pass the test, the better off you are. But the longer that you, that you resist the process that God is trying to put you to through, the more pressure you've got to endure, the more stress you've got to endure. The epistle of James gives us some insight whether we're dealing with trials Uh, on the outside or whether we're dealing with temptations on the inside, the key to turning test into triumph is there's four imperatives that I see in our text that I shared with you this morning. And I'm just going to run through them very quickly today. But first of all, he said, count it all joy. Everybody say, count it joy. The second thing he says is, know that your trials are working for your good. So first got to count it all joy. In other words, your attitude toward it all is, it's all good. I count it joy because I know something good's going to come out of it. Number two is to know. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't say feel. Know that your trial is working for your good. Didn't say feel that your trial is working for your good. Because today I don't feel good. Today it's stressful. Today it's, but know that it's working for your good. That's why the scripture says, for we know. 
that all things work together. If you haven't heard me on this scripture, I'm going to take just a minute to, to teach some of you a little something on this scripture. For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. So when you're going through it, you can just pull up that scripture. For we know that everything's working for my good. It didn't say that it feels like everything's working for your good. It didn't say for we understand that everything's working for our good. It didn't say we're going to rationalize it and, and, and it's going to make sense that it's all working for our good. But by faith, we know, everybody say no, we know that it's working for our good. Although I can't see it, he's working for me. Although I can't feel it, he's working for my good. Although I can't sense it anywhere that I turn, he's working for my good. He's protecting, he's, divide, he's he, he is, uh, he is uh, establishing my steps. This is the third thing that the epistle of James gives us some insight into it, is it says, let patience work in you. Let patience work. That there is an allowing process. I'm going to help some folks today. If you'll allow me to help you, I'm going to walk through this process just a little bit. Count it all joy. Know that your trials are working for good, for your good. And let patience work in you. That means there is a, there, you have a decision to make. You can either let it or not let it. Oh, do you know all the stuff that happened to me? All right, what you going to do with it? I'm going to get bitter by it, all right? Then you're not going to let it work anything in you. I'm going to get angry about it, all right? Then you're not going to let it work anything in you. Let patience. Everybody say, allow it to work. Allow it to work something good in you. Every time you go through a trial, allow it to work something good in you. I got a phone call the other day. Somebody called me. They was a little upset about something. They said, well, you won't believe. I, 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 this is what happened, this is what was said, and this was the response, and this is what, and I said, let it work something good in you, learn something from it, what'd you learn from it, well, I learned so-and-so has a bad attitude, learn something from it, learn that sometimes your timing may be off, learn that sometimes you're better off to let somebody else do the asking for you, develop something in you, learn sometimes it's not the best decision to approach a bulldog when he's not looking at you. I learned that from experience. I tried to teach my wife something about dealing with dogs this week. I was at my sister. She lives way out in the country. Nice hilly area. I got to get ready to go to Colorado. I'm going to be walking. I took my wife out on a morning walk. She was a little reserved when I told her we were going to where we were going to walk. And we started walking. And we're walking up and down the hills and the hollers, as they call them down there. And so we're walking through and we're passing houses and we hear dogs barking. We had been walking. We were a couple of miles away from my sister's house. We're way out in the country. And all of a sudden I hear the most ferocious roar coming from a distance. And my wife stopped. Her hands goes up and she starts tiptoeing backwards. And I looked at her, and I had not seen yet because I was just walking at a brisk pace. And she stops and starts, and I said, what are you doing? And she points like this. And I look at a distance to see a big Rottweiler that had a chest about that wide. 
He wasn't in a fence. They lived in the country. Country folks don't have the little fence that is invisible that goes around the yard. The dog, the only thing between us and the dog was about 100 yards. And I said, just keep walking. And she said, babe, babe, should, should we turn around? I said, just keep walking the same direction. Don't break your pace. Don't look at the dog. Just keep walking and keep talking to me. And she's like, and the dog is quickly closing the gap. And she's like, oh, babe, I said, just keep talking to me just like this. Don't be afraid. Don't move. Just keep walking. Just keep stepping. Don't turn. Don't just keep stepping. Just keep walking. Mm -hmm. Let me teach you something about life. Sometimes you're better off to just keep walking. Well, I'm fearful. Don't let the devil know it. Because if that dog ever senses we're fearful, he's going to chase you. And if you ever start running, he gonna, you can't outrun him. He's going to catch you and bite you. He'll turn it into a game and destroy you. Just keep walking and act like you don't even recognize he's there. Don't be foolish. Your adversary, the devil, <laughs> he's always going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't be foolish about it. I know he's there. I got him in my peripheral vision. And as a matter of fact, my right foot is all set and ready. He's about to get put through the field goal. But that's the last resort. Just keep walking. We got just out to the edge of their yard. She said, should we turn around and go back? I said, no, just keep walking. She said, I, I don't, we, we've come a long ways. You know how far we've walked? I said, just keep walking. I said, we got to give him time to settle down and calm down before we come back through. We walked on about a half a mile, turned around, started back. Just about time we got that particular yard in sight. Here comes a postal jeep rattling by us. And out comes the dog after the postal jeep. I said, thank God for postal jeeps. <laughs> he chased the postal jeep off out of the yard, turned around and went back. And I said, good. I'm just thinking to myself, good. He's a big old fat dog. He's going to be tired now. We might have a chance. We walked back through the second time. The dog had closed the gap. It was now just off the edge of the road, about 30 yards. And I knew there was a potential for problem. But my wife's a fast learner. She put me between her and the dog. And she knew all she had to do was outrun me. And we kept walking. I noticed he was there, but we had already been by one time before, and he had figured out that we were just going to keep walking and ignore him. We came by that time. Can you believe the dog did not even bark? I later talked to my brother-in-law, and he said, oh, you didn't go by that house. He said, that dog will tear you up. 
I said, thank you for the info. You told me to go that way. Well, brother-in-law's like that. You don't need enemies. You got to keep your eye on the devil. He's always against you. He's never for you. When he comes, he comes but to kill, to steal, and destroy. There's a purpose that he's there, but there's some times that you, he, he's going to learn. You know what? I can throw whatever I want, but the more you react to the devil's, to the adversary's stuff he throws at you, the more you react to it, the more reaction you're going to get out of him. He's like dealing with a dog. The more you just ignore him, oh, I got him in sight, but I'm not going to let it cause him to make me show all kind of fear and squeal and scream and run and carry on. I'm just going to just stay steadfast. I'm going to make that bad dog think there's something up with those folks. Everybody else comes through here, runs from me. He must be a bad dude. I want the devil to think I'm a bad dude because instead of gossiping and complaining and crying and belly aching. what I'm going to do is go to God in prayer. I'm going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to let patience work in me. And the fourth thing that I see that comes out of that, out of that scripture is ask the Lord for help because we were doing a lot of praying. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you see this dog. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you got to ask the Lord and he will help you. Notice that James assumes that everybody's going to experience trials. Everybody's saying he was right. He doesn't say if, but when. This is because we should live expecting trials. Tribulation will come. The nature of these trials are various. Some trials are brought on simply because we're human. Sickness comes, it's part of life. Accidents happen, it's part of life. Disappointments abound. Death is part of life. Although we, we don't want to think of it as such, but death is part of life. It just comes. There are trials that come because we are being attacked by the enemy. There are vicious satanic attacks. Many of these attacks come to our mind and our emotion. I want to help somebody this morning. I just read this past week, 70%, this is what the psychologists say, 70% of the thoughts that come through the human mind, 70% of the average human, 70% of their thought process is negative. 70%. Then, that means we have to choose how we handle those negative thoughts. How are we going to handle it? If you know this about yourself, then how are you going to respond to it? How are you going to handle it? Everybody say, oh, me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. Can you put that on the screen? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. I want you to put this on the screen this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. 
Beloved, what? Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Don't wake up tomorrow and say, I just can't believe that I'm going through this. Think it not strange that this happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that His glory shall be revealed. Ye may be glad with exceeding joy. When Satan fights us and the world oppresses us, he is saying, count it all joy. But how is it possible, Pastor, to find joy in the midst of trials? Knowing, everybody say knowing. Knowing that the trial of your faith, that the testing of your faith produces something good in you. I don't like a trial, but I know it produces something in me. The right knowledge concerning the value of trials is what makes it possible to have joy in the midst of adversity. The fact that I know that he's working for my good gives me joy every time trial comes. Uh huh. He's developing me a little quicker than everybody else. We're to understand that the trials, the test of our faith, when, when, when our faith is tested, it will either bring out the best of us or it will bring out the worst in us. The fire will either purify or destroy. It purifies the gold and destroys the rest. Just as training makes the athlete stronger, he must endure through the soreness and the pain. How can you have joy? Because I know that God is for us, not against us. When faith is tested, it produces patience. I want you to watch this now. Patience. Everybody say patience. Patience is not passive acceptance of a circumstance. All right, a lot of people, oh, you just need patience, meaning you need to sit and keep your mouth shut. That's false doctrine and bad teaching. Patience is not passive acceptance. You want to know what patience is? I'm going to help you with it. It comes from a Greek word. The word patience comes from a Greek word. Now, I don't speak Greek, but I got online and I studied how to pronounce the Greek word for patience because everybody needs to know it. And they pronounce it hupone. Hupomone, there it is, Hupomone. Hupomone. that's how they pronounce it. You need to learn that. Hugh, four, four syllables, Hupomone. Mm-hmm. You got the mone pretty good. Hupomone. that's where we get the Greek word. We get the, from the, the word Hupomone. we get the Greek word patience. Now, I'm going to dissect this so you understand where it comes from. It comes from a preposition, from from two prepositions. Hupo, which means under. Mone, which means to remain or to abide. When you put it together, it denotes the ability 
and steadfast consistency in the face of formable difficulty. When the writer talks about patience, he's saying surviving when you're under it. To be patient means I'm going to make it though I'm going through it. When the pressure is on me, I'm going to still be able to survive because life isn't, because life isn't going to squeeze the life out of me. It's squeezing some things into me. Life's not coming out of you when you're under the pressure. God is pressing some things into you. He's getting some stability into you. He's working some patience. He's putting it into you. It's to continue on even when things are rough and hard. Let patience have its perfect work. I won't be much longer this morning. I'm at least halfway through. To truly turn trials into triumph. Most of you didn't laugh because you know it's true. The issue is, is the way that we humans are built we want to rush through trials and difficulty. Hurry through this. I'll never forget one time when I was first learning how to work out. <clears throat> I forgot most everything I learned. There was a trainer. I was, I was doing some lifts and I was jerking those lifts. And the trainer said, you've got to slow down. It's not doing you any good. What do you mean? I'm lifting the same hundred pounds that somebody else is lifting, but it's how you're lifting it. Because you need to be in control. It has to be slow and steady motions, and it's building something in you. The issue is, as trials come, we want to just blitz through it, blitz out of it. We're praying, God, get me out of the trial. God, get me out of the circumstance. Instead of saying, God, let me learn what it is that you're trying to do in me. Because as soon as you learn what's in me, God will move you out of the trial. But it's until you learn the lesson, God's going to say, okay, you're going to get out of this one, and you're going to move right into the next one. Instead of grumbling and complaining, I'm going to endure the trial. The pressure while I'm in the trial feels great, but God is going to get me through it. The word perfect or perfect does not mean sinlessness but it means completeness wholeness and are you ready for this third word maturity to perfect you means to mature you God is wanting to perfect you in other words he's wanting to mature you Letting patience have its maturing work. Now let me break it down the way the Greek actually says it. The King James writer gives it to us in ways that are very palatable for the English language. But if you'll allow me this morning, I'm going to try to tell you exactly what it said. The pressure and hardships that you're under are squeezing some things into your life that is maturing 
That's exactly what the writer is saying. Let patience have its perfect work, although it's not easy. And this brings my final point to you, and that is asking, asking of God. For Solomon, it was a request for wisdom. He asked God for wisdom. The plans that God has for your life, ladies and gentlemen, is greater than the plans that you have for yourself. That's why when, you go, when you're going through it and you're like, I have no understanding, maybe it's because you don't understand what God is putting in your life. You don't understand the future plans God has for you. you, you, you you're trying to ignore the pressure, the stress, and you think it's the people. You think it's the process. You think it's your job. You think it's your spouse. You think it's your friends. But maybe it's God working some things into your life. So that when He gets you ready, He can fulfill the perfect plan that He has for you. But He can't fulfill the perfect plan that He has for you until you are perfected for the plan. God's perfect plan won't fit into a package of a person that is not perfected for the plan. So you've got to endure the process. You've got to go through it. The entire process of growth and fulfillment of destiny hinges on one critical factor, and that is going through the process. The way we choose to deal with life's troubles and trials during times of transition is a huge factor in how we're going to live into the future. If you have a problem come, and oh, I'm in a bad mood. i got a bad attitude because I had a little problem come. You're not ready to lead. You're not ready to move beyond where you are. you got to learn to endure some things. Without it getting you off balance. You're walking the tightrope of life. You, the wind is going to blow you off. You've got to get some stability in you. You've got to get some stability. The Apostle Paul, who delivers the inaugural speech on the day of Pentecost, many people were standing by as the Apostle Peter is, is, is speaking in Acts chapter 2, and he's delivering this first message to all the people standing around. And, and they're looking and they're like, what does this mean? Many wondered, how can this guy be used of God? Is, is this the guy who was almost destroyed by the enemy? Is this the guy who denied Jesus? Is this the, the, the guy who, who cursed publicly? Is this the guy who is an outcast and a loner and got a hot temper and always says the wrong thing at the wrong time? Is this the guy who pulls out a sword and cuts off a man's ear? What's up with this guy? They had seen him deny Christ. What means this? Now he's trying to stand up and preach. The issue is, this, this may go right over some of your heads this morning, but there's going to be a few of you. There's going to be a remnant in this house today that's going to get what I'm saying right now. The reason they don't understand your anointing is because they weren't with you during your adversity. Unless they walked with you during the days of your development, they can't accept you on the stage of success. 
they'll be jealous of everything that God is doing in your life and think it's because it was handed to you and you didn't pay the price. It's because they didn't see you because you didn't suffer publicly. You suffered privately. You cried yourself asleep at night. They didn't know the number of times that you wet your pillow with tears praying the night through. They All they saw was you in the public. I came this morning to tell you when people have a nasty attitude because of your position and talk about you when you walk away and hope that you they, they are rejoicing in your failure and, and wishing that you failed at everything that you do. It's because they weren't there when you, when you were going through it. They don't know how you got there they don't know how you got the level of respect you got they weren't with you they didn't go through it but I came this morning to tell you that you got to stand up you got to keep going regardless of what people say regardless of what people think just because somebody else had a bad attitude doesn't give you a right to have a bad attitude you haven't learned anything This is a spiritual refining process. And the glory of God is just around the corner. The prize is just around the corner. You're being prepared for something that they will never experience. I know some of you are going through it today. I know some of you have had doubts and fears. I have to preach this message to myself before I come preach it to you. But your life may be Your life may be the sermon that God is going to use to preach the next person through their adversity. Don't be a complainer. Nobody want to be around you. You got to go through it and be positive about it. Go through it and keep it to yourself. Go through it and let God walk you through it. And when somebody else comes and they begin to say, hey, you don't know what I'm going through. You say, oh yeah, I've walked down that road. I've been down that road of disappointment. And Andre Crouch wrote a song. We used to sing it. I grew up singing it. And and it's just, it's real simple words. And some of you are going to know it this morning. But it's through it all, through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. I learned to trust Him more. Through it all, through it all, I learned to depend on His Word. I got a feeling somebody that wrote that had been through it. When you outlast the adversity, you're going to come out the other side. There will always be a promise waiting for you. Come on, Cheryl, I'm I'm closing this morning. Your adversity thinks he's destroying you, but he is only building you. The adversary is not destroying you, it's building you. Your adversity is making you. What you're going through, the pressure, the stress, the trial, is building things in you that money can't buy, that position can't give. And here's the thing. God will never allow your adversary to win. David said, I once was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. No matter what you go through, the adversary never wins. No matter what weapon he throws at you, always know this. If I remain steadfast and true, I win. No matter how big and bad the old dog is, and no matter how fast he's coming at you, just keep on walking. Just stay steady. 
just before we got back to the house, we had already walked by a place that up. Didn't meet any dogs when we came through. We got back. I had the home stretch in sight. We were right by my sister's house. And all of a sudden, two dogs appeared from the corner. One was about that tall. He was gray and he had wacky eyes. He didn't have anything to say. He wasn't barking. He wasn't saying too much. He just yelped a couple of times. And he had a buddy with him. The buddy was about that tall. It was doing all the talking. And it was in front. And it kind of had a prance to it. When it came out. Its ears were straight up. And it came out yappity yap 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 yap. Yappity yap yap yap. I said just keep walking. And up come the dog. But the old big dog just dropped in, dead behind us, not saying a word. And it just starts closing the gap. And I saw its teeth begin to show. And I turned around and I said, go back home. Go back home. I didn't scream at it. I said, go back home. Go home. Go home. That dog stopped and looked at me. Now that dog, ladies and gentlemen, I believe, had intentions to take a piece of meat out of my calf. I said, go home. I spoke with confidence. I spoke with a surety that you're going to obey me. Go back where you came from. Go home. The dog stopped. I kept walking. I turned around, I took about two steps to look back and here that dog comes again, same, same pose, same position. I turned back around, I said, I told you go home, you're okay. I'm not going to hurt you, but you ain't going to hurt me. Because his right foot's getting prepared again. Finally, after I just kept commanding the dog, go home, it finally stopped. And we walked home and my wife said, we ain't ever doing this again. <laughs> Sometimes you got to put the old enemy in its place. Go back where you came from. Sometimes you've got to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. How do you resist him? Whom ye resist steadfast. In the faith. You know what that word steadfast means? Just keep walking. 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 I'm resisting you. Go home. Steadfast. I'm walking. I'm walking. Stand with me this morning. We haven't ran aisles. We haven't jumped and shouted and screamed this morning. I've just talked to you a little bit about adversity. But I want you to understand today that God can work great things in your life. Although you're going through it and you feel like nobody knows and nobody cares, God knows and He cares. The church knows and we care. I'm trying to help you this morning to know God's trying to build something in you because He has great plans for your future. Great plans.
plans for your future. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as they begin to sing now. I invite you this morning. Would there be some in the room that would like to step from where you are and say, I'm coming this morning just as a sign to the enemy. I'm going to keep walking through my adversity. I'm going to keep walking. I'm not turning to the left, to the right. I just keep going forward by faith. I'm going to just stay steadfast. I'm under the pressure, but it's God's working something good into my life.